Hey everybody, thanks for joining us as we kind of look back at our sermon from Christmas Day. It's hard to believe that Christmas is now past. Um, feels like it came quickly and it feels like it left quickly, but uh, the beauty of Christmas is that we don't have to leave behind all that we as Christians love about Christmas. And so Sunday we talked about the manger as the thing that makes Christmas a holy day instead of a holiday. And, and the holiday side of things starts to feel very secular, but once we put the manger in the center of Christmas, it becomes a holy day. We talked about how the incarnation is what makes it a holy day. And, and I want to I brush up against that topic of incarnation just for a moment, but I will, really want to zone in on the four things that we talked about that Jesus had access to in his humanity and then lived a perfect life out of. So first I want to uh, touch back into the incarnation. The incarnation is all about the fact that Jesus became like us, God became like us, so that we could become like him. And I want you to, to remember, we talked about it in the sermon, that the manger is God's doorway into our world, and the cross is our doorway into God's world. And so the manger is the place where Emmanuel was realized, God with us. The cross is the place where our eternal salvation, life with God, what uh, Revelation talks about, well, where he will be among them and they will be his people and he will wipe every tear from their eye and there'll be no more death. And so the cross brings us into God's life, the life that's explained in Revelation. The manger brings Jesus into our life, the life that we have to live out of now. And because of the manger, because of the incarnation, what we have the opportunity to do here and now is, going back to that Dallas Willard, Willard quote that we use Sunday, live in the kingdom of God here and now as apprentices of Jesus. And, and so the thing I wanted to do in this video is continue to press in towards that sense that um, Christians often use that phrase, well, yeah, but Jesus was God, when they talk about what Jesus did. And usually, honestly, if we're truthful about it, we use that in reference to our own failings and shortcomings. Well, well, I can't do what Jesus did because Jesus was God, or I shouldn't be expected to live this way because Jesus was God. But Jesus never used his divinity while he was in the flesh. And so I want to hit those four things we talked about Sunday, the four resources that Jesus had access to. And because of these resources, using these resources as a fully human being, he was able to live a perfect life. So you remember what those four resources were. There were the Spirit of God, prayer, the written Word of God, and community. Through those four resources, Jesus as a fully human person was able to live a perfect life in God. So his life was spirit-led. The Holy Spirit was always with him. He always sought the Holy Spirit. You know, he says, you know, I haven't done anything other than what the Father has invited me to do. I haven't spoken anything other than what the Father has told me to speak. God inviting Jesus into doing things and telling Jesus what to say is an act of God the Spirit. God the Spirit indwelt in him. 
revealing the Father's plan moment by moment to him so he could walk into that plan. We have access to that same type of relationship with the Holy Spirit. We can walk into those very same things that are Spirit-led, Spirit-guided, and Spirit-driven the way Jesus did. So the, the second thing on that list was prayer. Jesus prayed. He was a fervent prayer. He prayed often. He prayed in solitude. He prayed in community. He prayed in sorrow. He prayed in joy. But he prayed. Obviously, we have access to prayer. We can press into that same type of prayer life, even going so far as to say Paul invites us into it when he says pray without ceasing. He's t giving us a, a glimpse of the kind of prayer life that Jesus, the man, the fully human God-man, exercised in his life. Jesus prayed without ceasing. Now, I know a lot of us, we hear that phrase and we think, well, I got to work. I've got to cook dinners. I got to do laundry. I got homework to do. I got to study for tests. I got to get kids to hockey practice. I got all these things in my life. How can I pray without ceasing? Well, prayer without ceasing, to me, in my mind, goes back to what Paul said in Colossians. Set your mind on the things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. When I focus my mind on the things that are above, I'm actually living a lifestyle of prayer, even though my knees aren't bent, my hands aren't folded, and I'm not uttering any words out of my mouth. I'm constantly focusing on the things above, which is prayer. At the heart of it all, at the foundation of it all, prayer is simply turning my thoughts and my desires towards God, making myself aware of His constant presence, and then listening to what He says. And sometimes what He says is nothing. Sometimes it's just silent presence. But if you've ever been in a relationship with someone you loved and cared for, you know that more happens in that silent presence oftentimes than happens in conversation. And so that's what it means to pray without ceasing. That's the kind of prayer life Jesus had. The third thing, third resource Jesus had that we also have access, access to is the written word of God. He not only knew it, he lived it. When we go back to that passage in Luke 1.40 that we read at the start of our sermon, that he grew in wisdom and in favor with God. My assumption in the word wisdom is that part of his studies, part of becoming smarter and wiser for Jesus was studying scripture as a little boy, growing up in a house where it was placed as a high priority, where he could memorize, learn, press into, soak in God's word for him. God's written word, the Old Testament, was available to him. It was recited in the synagogue and in the temple every, every week. It was prayed every night at dinner. It was prayed before bed. And so Jesus soaked in, saturated his heart and his mind in the written word of God. We have access to that same thing. And actually, if you think about it, we have access to more of that because Jesus didn't have the New Testament. He is the New Testament. So we have access to more of God's written word than even Jesus had access to. And then that fourth thing that Jesus really pressed into was community, family and friends. He lived in community with people who sought God. All of the disciples followed him because they were seeking God. He was living with them day in and day out. His community was built up of believers. Remember that, that story in the gospel where uh, they come to Jesus and say, hey, your mother and your brothers are outside and they want to see you. What did he say? 
He said, these are my mother and my brothers. Those who do the will of the Father who sent me are my family. And so he was deep in that community. He had that access to community that was focused on desiring God, seeking God together, growing in God together. And so those are the four things that Jesus used in his humanity to live his perfect life. The Spirit of God, prayer, God's written word, and community. And so here's the thing I would love for you to have a conversation around in your group. What can you do? What can you commit to? to seek the Spirit of God more deeply in your life. Not, not necessarily audible directions or, or burning bushes. I'm not talking about that. Those things would be great if they come to you. If those things do come to you, cross-reference them with Scripture and make sure it's God who's bringing that to you. But a life that says, I am going to set my heart and my mind on the things above where Christ is. As often as I need to throughout my day, hopefully it will become a lifestyle that I live into. And at that point, like the old hymn says, the things of earth will grow strangely dim. And that's what it means to live life in the Spirit. It means that what we see first are the things of the Spirit, not the things of the flesh. We still see the things of the flesh, but we see them second. We see them through the things of the Spirit, not vice versa. And so that spirit-led life is something you can press into. The question you need to answer in your groups is, hey, how am I as an individual going to press towards that? The next thing is prayer. I want you to talk in your group about how you are going to step up your prayer life. Not, not the prayers that we all rattle off and, and, you know, over a meal or when someone's in the hospital or we get the call that somebody's sick or, or something's wrong or we, we recognize we have a need or even we, something great happens and we want to pray praise and, and thanksgiving to God through that. Not that kind of prayer. I'm talking about the prayer of the heart and mind that doesn't need words. The language that you can speak to a God who is indwelling you that no one else can hear. Part of that language is listening. And so I invite you to ramp up your prayer life by spending time listening to God more than you're talking to God. The next thing is the written word of God. I know we all enjoy a good Bible study and it's essential and it's necessary and it's a good thing. But how often do you read your Bible just to read your Bible? I'm going to, those of you that are watching this video, I'm going to give you a sneak preview. You get a head start on your homework. When we begin our series on January 15th in the Gospel of John, one of the things I'm going to ask you to do is find time that week to sit down and read the Gospel of John in one sitting. Because what opens up when we read big chunks of Scripture in one sitting is we get this overarching picture of who God is, what He's doing, what it means to be a person in the kingdom of God. And so I want to invite you to go ahead and start doing that now. Sometimes just sit down with your Bible and open it up and begin to read some of these narratives but read them as stories that you can delight in or that you can feel um, some type of other emotional experience in. Maybe it's frustration, maybe it's anger, maybe it's fear, whatever it is. Let those stories take you to that place within yourself as you read through God's written word. But most importantly, put it at a spot in your life where your heart and your mind can soak in it, can marinate in it. And just let it do what it would do in you. And then finally, this is probably a harder one, but, but I'm going to ask you to press up deeper into community. 
going to ask you to intentionally structure your life so that it involves community with other believers. A life group, if you're not in one, find one, get in one. Maybe you need a cohort of maybe three or four other people that you can meet with to have spiritual conversations with. Sometimes, you know, we always think, yeah, we're, we're going to do this Bible study together as a group. But sometimes all we need to do is really sit down and talk about what my life looks like when God is in it and what it looks like when he's not. And how do I shift things around so that he is the center of every moment of my life? The other thing, and, and we mentioned this on Sunday, but maybe it's time to realize that being an online attender is a good thing. It's certainly better than not attending at all. But it's not the best thing. And we never want to be people who have good become the obstacle to best. Best in the life of a Christian is community. Face-to-face -face community, real community. When we can't, for some reason, experience that, whether it's a global pandemic or, or I have some you know, uh, compromised health situation or um, I don't have a ride or, or whatever it may be, when we can't experience that face-to-face, in-person community, then yes, the online experience is great. It's better than sitting home feeling completely isolated and forgotten. But, we need community. And so I want to do two things. I want to say if you're one of those people who has to stay in an online environment, figure out a way you can have some community in that. Maybe, maybe what you need to do is, is start a, a group chat with other believers. Maybe what you need to do is, is open up your life a little bit to one or two people who can come in and be that community for you that's face-to-face -face in your own home. But if you're not one of those people who has to stay in the virtual environment of church, I want to invite you to come back. Next week is January 1st. What better time to start? Because that aspect of community will open up things in you that allow you to live deeper into the kingdom of God than you've ever experienced before. Sorry to jump in. You said January 1st. Yeah. It's January 1st. Crap. Sorry, I stopped you. I was thinking all of a sudden this wasn't going out until after January 1st. No, it's, it's going to be next week, right? Oh, man. Sorry. My bad. Okay. Yeah. yeah. No, that's just nothing on me. You're the one that's got to fix it. <laughs> okay. Probably took you off your train of thought there. Yeah, no, I'm going to try to get back to it. Those four things are the very resources that Jesus exercised in his humanity to live out the perfection, the obedience, the following of God with everything, loving God with all his heart, soul, mind, and strength. There's not anything on that list that we, as his followers, don't have access to right here and now. Think about that for a minute. Think about that. The life that Jesus lived was fueled by the very things that he repurposed and left for us to now have access to. And that's why what he said in John 14, when he said, if you have faith, you will do what I did and even greater things than what I've done, you will do. The point is that his expectation on us is that our lives would actually do more than his life did. I don't know how that works. I can't even fathom it in my head. But I know this. Jesus is powerful enough 
to take what we can offer him and make it more than he could have ever done himself. And if that's what he chooses to do, then we let him do it. So number one thing I want to invite you to do, have a conversation in your group about how can I ramp up these four resources? How can I access these four resources more intentionally, with more expectation, with greater desire and commitment than I have to this point in my walk with Christ? And then the other thing I want you to do is come to church on January 1st. Let's build this community back up. I talked to a lady in church recently who was telling me that they had just started coming back to church and they had been doing online. And she looked at me and she said, you know, I don't know why it took us so long. I don't have a good reason. It just became the thing we did. And this is so much better. I think you can experience that too. Assuming there's nothing that keeps you from church that is related to health or some other reason that you can't get back to church. I think if you're watching online and you come back, you may find what this lady found with her family, that there was no good reason to stay away and it's so much better. So have a great time in your groups, have some great conversation, be open, talk through that idea of uh, living into the spirit of God and his leading, prayer, focusing on the Word of God and community. And who knows, maybe we'll all become the kind of people that do the things that Jesus did and even greater than that. Let me pray for you. Father, I'm so grateful that you have entered our world through the manger, that you've stepped through that doorway to enter our lives, and that you left those resources. You showed us the resources that we need. You modeled that for us and showed us how we can live a better life than we've ever lived through those things that Jesus himself accessed and used to live a perfect life. And Father, we're also grateful that you opened the doorway for us to enter into your life through the cross, that you in the flesh as Jesus, our brother, repurposed death, took it back from Satan as a path to destruction and turned it into a path to, to you a gateway into your presence. And so God, we're so grateful for both of those things. I just ask that you help us live into the life that you've given us now with you in it, but also to taste the life that you've given us in the future in your presence, now here in the present. And we just ask all that in Jesus' name, amen. Thanks and have a great week.